episode 284, Punisher season one, episode four, Resupply. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm just one person who likes to talk about the MCU. And I'm here with one other person who likes to talk about the MCU, and that would be Agent Stu. Agent Stu, yeah, that's me. Together, we like to talk about the MCU. And since you're listening to this podcast, you probably like to talk about the MCU as well. And that means you might like to talk about Netflix. And that means you might be interested in The Punisher, because that's what we're talking about in this episode of Welcome to Level 7. And that roundabout way brought us to this point where I can say, hey, we're talking about Punisher. <laughs> and Hey, we're talking about Punisher. Yeah. And, uh, well, well, we'll we'll get into it. We will get into it. Because this episode of The Punisher is called Resupply. And you know what it's about? It's just about... A resupply. You know, resupply sounds like a really awesome cover band name for the air supply. Hmm. I'm not going to go so far as to say really awesome. So lost without you. (laughs) But yeah, I can can go with awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not really awesome, but just just plain awesome. Regular awesome. You know, somebody told me never to let someone else take my thunder in bed. You're taking my thunder right now. Oh, sorry, man. I don't know what you got to do to take it back, but you got to steal it back now. So are you saying I need to resupply my thunder? (laughs) That that could be. It could be. So this is the fourth episode of The Punisher. And last episode was the first episode where I felt like I I finally feel like I know where we're going. And then this episode is going to be about getting started toward the direction of where they're going. So we'll talk yeah. about it. We'll talk yeah, about it. But let's be- do that. <laughs> before we talk about it, let's uh, hear what we talked about before we recorded about this. So let's find out what you and Samantha and Daniel and I thought about this episode right after we watched it. And for some of us, that's like a, a year ago. For some of us, that's a month ago. For some of us, it might be a day ago. But Let's hear. Let's listen to what we thought about this episode. Punisher, episode four. Agent Daniel here. And I know I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again uh, in an episode here like Resupply. This show is so good. Um, I really like Luke Cage. I, I'm strong feelings uh, about Jessica Jones. But this show, honestly, for a character that I've never really been, quote-unquote, in love with, I have a hard time not going to the next one. 
it's hard for me not to look, not to, to be watching, uh, not be distracted, and try to do other things while I'm watching Punisher. And, and one of the things that hit me is really this episode is really small in the sense of it's not like it's big, giant action. It's not a big set-piece battle. And, and despite that, the characters still have me watching. I'm still glued to the screen trying to figure out what Prince Caspian and Anvil's going to do and how they're going to fit in. I'm now beginning to see how Homeland's fitting in. Um, and I love it. I love these characters. It, and again, one of the things that really struck me about this episode is it's a big comic book trope to have to end with a battle with big fear. A battle in which, you know, it's a big set piece and our hero is going to be in trouble and there's anxiety around what could happen next. And really, when you look at the action in this, this episode, we've got a, a small little skirmish in the garage, we've got the car chase and theft in the end. Even the car chase and theft never gave me sort of anxiety, like when we got captured in Daredevil, or the end is in playing out in Daredevil. And I really applaud that, the fact that they didn't have to, they don't feel like they have to give us a big finale in every episode, but instead of really just letting the characters uh, dominate the screen. And I want to know how these characters, again, I'm very worried about no one watching this Um I'm worried about the Homeland team, because they're, they seem like they're good people who want to help, and very human people. But... Going to make it? I mean, are we going to have betrayal? Um, we've had that happen before. So yeah, I love this show. I love it. If it is maybe the finest Netflix program that Marvel's put up, so I'm pretty pumped. Wow, it is so so. Okay, is Punisher a good guy or a bad guy? Frank Castle. This is a very... Uh, okay, so I just finished watching um, episode or season one, episode four, Resupply. Going very, very slowly through this, uh, through this series. Um, so I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. It'd be interesting to have Castle meet Cap. Not really happen. I know. But it'd be interesting to see that. Um, just to see how they play off each other. Because, you know, Captain America, like, he's a, he's a, like, his moral values, his, he is 100% good guy. <laughs> There's no questions about that. Whereas Punisher is not that. He's very morally great. And, and I was reminded of this when, when he threw the grenade in. And I'm thinking back to, you know, First Avenger when, um, Tommy Lee Jones throws a grenade into, and everybody runs away except for Steve Rogers. So, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I like this series. Um, or if it's, I think it's good, I guess, but I don't know if I like it. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's now two in a row. Or three in a row, depending on how you count Iron Fist. But like, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of Black Panther. So, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. Excited for Infinity War, because I think that's going to be 
really good. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I don't want to like, get my hopes up now. So, you know, on this week with Stuart's emotions about the Marvel Cinematic Universe go up and down. Well, Stuart's emotions about the Marvel Cinematic Universe go up and down. So, yes. Is Punisher a good guy or a bad guy? And I think that's like the question of the show. So we'll see what happens. Um, I probably won't watch another one for several days because it's really, it, it's hard to watch. Hard to watch. All right. Peace out. Bye. Hey, guys. This is me, Ben, past Ben, calling about Punisher Resupply. And this episode happened, and it's part of a series of episodes. And probably could have been a lot shorter. And um, it's not the greatest one ever. It's it's not the worst one ever either. But, um, yeah, you know, that car chase at the end just didn't excite me. And, uh, yeah, it just, this episode... Um, well, you know, it's good. I mean, they're all, they're all pretty good and there's good stuff going on, but this, this episode, not the most intriguing episode, not the most interesting episode, uh, had some good character moments, which, you know, I think that's probably the greatest praise that Netflix should get is that they created good characters and gave us good character moments with those characters. But this episode doesn't have me excited. <laughs> So, yeah. So that's past Ben. Turning it over to you, future Ben. You know, I'm glad he's been getting along better lately. No, no back and forth and no anger and, and, uh, I guess because I'm treating you better here in the past. So, you know, make good choices. <laughs> Be good to each other. Peace out later. Bye. Godspeed. Pass Ben out. So, uh, uh, Stuart, um, so did you enjoy uh, Infinity War? I know you were getting ready to watch it <laughs> I mean, when you left that okay. phone call. <laughs> it's okay, I guess. Um, yeah, I've that's... only watched it like 17 times since then. <laughs> oh, and I'm reading the Thanos book, and it's actually a pretty good book. We should we should cover that at some point. Yeah, I uh, I took a break from it so I could read Watership Down. Because no, the bodies. No. Yeah, have you ever I, read that, or did you watch it? I've seen the movie, but a million years ago, and as a little kid, so I'm sure that I do not remember any of it or so how glad, complex it was. So glad I didn't watch it as a little kid because that was disturbing. It's they have a Netflix uh, four episode series too right yeah. now, and it's it's disturbing because it's it's frank. You know, it's, 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 it's brutal. Um, but the book itself Frank and brutal seem to go hand in hmm, hand. Wow. You know, <laughs> that might be our segue. If there, if there's going to be one to take us from watership down back on track, it's going to be that. Um, yeah, but the, the, the book itself, it reads like a cross between animal farm and Lord of the Rings. That's yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it's been good, but, um, yeah, but that means I've only read the first one third, I think, of the Thanos novel, and yeah, which we do need to maybe do an episode about. Yes, we do because um, of just the weirdness of the question of is it MCU, and 
and that. So, yeah. Um, so uh, let's be frank. Let's. <laughs> yeah. So this episode's called Resupply, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I subtitle it "Frank Needs Guns." He needs his gun. He does. Oh man. Hey, that's another thing. We just I just finished season one of Agents of Shield with my kids. Um, just in time for them to go and see uh, uh, Captain Marvel and really appreciate that Coulson's going to be in, in Captain Marvel. But um, yeah, the <laughs> uh, there's so many things I forgot about season one. That was a really good season of television. Would you say it's the best? In in my memory, it seems to be the best MCU um, Agents of Shield season. Uh, I can't say that right now. Yeah. Okay. But it was really good. It, much better than it got credit or gets credit for, I should say. Because um, everyone talks about, oh, it got better from season one. But then I'm watching season one and thinking, no, this is this is pretty decent. Uh, yeah. There's some missteps uh, in there. But no, it, it was not bad. And the whole thing with uh, with Ward um, played out interesting. Uh, I did find out that Ward didn't know about what was going to happen with his character until the episode before it happened. And so everything he was playing up until that point, he was playing it straight and, and, and playing the character straight. The writers might've known a lot earlier than that, but he didn't know until the episode before. And yeah, it was because he fell, he fell when, when shield fell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he, he, What's the redhead? What was the redhead commander girl's name? Uh, Victoria Hand. Yeah, Victoria Hand. He killed her, right? Mm-hmm. That was the big signal to us as the viewer mm-hmm. that he had. He there's something going on there. <laughs> so the episode before that, he was like, "Oh, I have a bad guy now, right?" Yeah, yeah. And so in the yeah. episode before that, he had you know he was playing it then as a I'm gonna make the turn, but. And technically speaking, it's not a turn. I mean, he's he was bad all along. But mm-hmm. was that the big uh, Maxi episode called Winter Soldier? That to me, that's what makes season one great. That right there. Well, that is a, a definitely a great moment. But hey, we're here to talk about. Oh yeah, let's Punisher. talk about not Captain America. <laughs> well, okay, so Frank, brutal. They go hand in hand. But another uh, segue could be, um, you know, Turk because. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. obviously has Coulson, and Coulson was kind of that uh, heart of the MCU from, well, into the Avengers when he got stabbed in the heart. Turk is in some ways representative of the Netflix series. He's in every series now. Uh, I don't know if he's in every season, but he's in every series, or he has been in every series. And... uh, here he is in in the Punisher, and he's being Turk, being funny, you know. And uh, he has just received a shipment, and Frank finds out about it through Micro that there's a shipment of guns that Turk's going to get, but he never got it. Guns from the Greeks. Uh, he never got the guns. He just got a a pink. Uh, gift gun um, <laughs> and yeah and never trust the Greeks when they are bearing gifts even as a, if it's a pink gift gun 
but so it's a it's a novelty gun and so when frank shows up back home with micro that's all he has to show for his time and effort so i feel uh, i think i feel bad for turk right now yeah i (laughs) i almost always feel bad for turk i mean (laughs) the guy brings it on himself he's not a good guy no you know i mean he he's done some bad stuff uh, that caused bad things to happen to people that we like and didn't want bad things to happen. But, but on the other hand, he's just that, he's that regular face that shows up in every series. And I like that. Like that again, that might be a little bit more of a Tigger moment for me, but I, I think that's, that's one of the things that makes these Netflix series really shine is that you got, you know, the same, same actors playing the same characters. Yes. Yeah, traveling from series to series and moving to movie. Oh, what was it recently? I saw news of a casting thing. Oh, it's the Picard series. Oh yeah, yeah. The new hey. pa- the new Picard series cast someone who was the DA in Jessica Jones and and Daredevil. Which means that those shows are pretty much dead. No, it doesn't. She was the DA in one episode from each season. Like, yeah, that's true. Okay, maybe more than one, but um, yeah, that is not the death knell. The death knell is Netflix saying we're done, <laughs> right? And uh, and and Jeff Loeb saying, yeah, they're done, but we're we love them still. Yeah, they they don't have to be completely done, but they probably are. That's what he's saying. <laughs> They're probably done, but we reserve the right to bring them back in comic book form. Yeah, you know he's he's giving the dad answer. You know when my kids ask for, ask me for something, I I really don't want to say no, but I'm not going to say yes. Right, and it's I don't know, uh, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, yes, I do that too, and um, that is the dad answer. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That's it. That's the other one. <laughs> Oh, I hated that. And now I use that. So I don't know. Did you do your chores? <laughs> but yes, that, Jeff Lope, I've done my chores. But that's 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 a little more of a that's a concrete answer right there. The, the Did you do your chores? That's a concrete answer that says that's true. Things might happen if, if you did your chores. If chores are done, this will happen. So this week on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've talked or welcome to level seven. We've talked about star Trek, um, and parenting Winter soldier and parenting. Yep. Yeah. We've hit all of our, all of our rabbit trails. Uh, and we took a literal rabbit trail with watership down. So, we did. um, let's get back to our, our show. We should probably really talk about this. <laughs> and, show soon. And, and, and honestly, I mean, you heard my call, uh, this, this episode, maybe the rabbit trails are here because I'm just not all that excited about the, the, uh, the, car trail that we're on here but um yeah yeah and you so. heard my and you heard mine my voicemail and it, yeah. yeah it's but you brought is, up some good you brought up some good questions though i mean you're why yeah. yes yes i did <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay turk uh anything more about turk and the pink gun there's a joke in there about uh they might be giants but i can't think of it right now so let's move on okay Oh, that's nobody's business but the Turks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, we'll take the reference instead of the joke, and we'll move on. Uh, so Frank and Micro, uh, they are they're the odd couple. We've talked about this before, and they are <laughs> not getting along. Uh, Frank's not happy about the uh, the outcome 
of of the uh, the gun his haul that he got of the pink Ruger. So, uh, so Micra is going to look for something else. He's, he's on the trail of something. He's not real happy about it, but then Sarah, Micro's wife calls and asks Frank to come and visit and sign some papers. And so this is actually a situation where Micro pushes Frank to go because he wants to help out Sarah. Uh, and he'll get the guns. If, Frank goes. So Frank goes because micro made him go. And unfortunately it turns into a couple moments. Uh, the biggest moment um, being he helps the daughter fix the drains uh, or fix the, not the drains, the, uh, oh, what do you call it? We don't have one. The garbage disposal in the, in their <laughs> kitchen. And he, he helps her do this and he has a father daughter moment with her. And that sucks for micro. Like he mm-hmm. sent this man into his house to have a almost moment, almost moment with Sarah and, and to have an actual moment with, with the daughter. Now, I, did he do that on purpose or was he putting castle in there to be a recon guy? No, no, I don't think he, I don't think it's either of those. he, so Sarah calls, wants Frank to sign some papers, right? Because she hit him with the car. Right, because she hit him with the car. And this is the insurance company saying, you've got to do this or something. And and Micro is saying, I will help you get these guns, but you have to go and help Sarah. And he, he doesn't want Sarah's life to be more complicated. That's Micro's uh, motivation here is he doesn't want Sarah's life to be more complicated. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's almost – I don't know where this is going, uh, but I we're setting up at least a, a very low key love triangle with with yeah. Frank, Frank and Sarah and, and micro and and micro just pushed Frank into Sarah's path again. Frank wasn't interested. He wasn't going to go. He just wanted to get the guns and. You know, because he's got his mission. You know, he's he's got his mission. Micro's going to help him. They're going to kill all the people that were involved in that whole whole thing in Kandahar, and and now, no, this, yeah. this is a a distraction. Yeah, I mean, Micro has got some really bizarre motivations in this. I mean, he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to be dead, but still have a family, and it's not working well for him. No, no, it's not. It's not, and it's not going to. I mean, the, I mean, how? Uh, to be honest, I can't even see a, a way it could. Right? The only way it can work is if you say, you know what, I'm done, I'm out, bye, and and you just have to sort of bury that because I don't think you could do it either way. You're going to end up causing more um, harm than good. Right. He has to choose. Uh, yeah, as as my wife says, he has to pick a lane. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's right in the middle right now, and it's not going to work. It's going to cause trouble one way or the other. If he chooses to completely disengage, um, that's going to be really, really hard for him. Uh, but if he chooses to go back, that's going to create problems for her and, and his and, kids. And unfortunately, he's not sort of like on, you know, a two-lane or four-lane highway. He's on like – well. 
a four lane or an eight lane highway. He's on a two lane highway and he's straddling that yellow line, <laughs> not the little white line over here. He's straddling that yellow line because if he gets, if something goes poorly, I mean, he's in, he's up a Creek without a paddle. Yeah. There's all sorts of problems that can come out of this and mm. that makes for good drama for us, but it sucks for micro. <laughs> so. that, that is all true statements. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so they do find out about a shipment that Micro is able to kind of track uh, basically by figuring out that law enforcement has been notified about something that's going on. And the, the, the shipment also is being tracked by Wolf, though. And so now Dinah and Sam are getting involved in that because – um, Dinah, she of course still wants to continue investigating Ahmad's death, but an old friend from Washington comes and threatens her to keep her head down. Just keep your head down. So she sets up her own sting operation to get the guns and micro figures out that there's a sting operation to get the guns and they come up with a plan. And this is also not great for them that they are, they're about to step into probably the worst possible sting operation that they can uh because of the people involved so they are stepping into this sting sting operation that dinah is involved with and dinah is also involved with finding out who or what happened to ahmad and of course frank was involved very very closely with what happened with ahmad and it's one of those this is a this is a coincidence that i accept fully and have no problem with because I want my characters to come together. You know? I was going to say, this is a natural way for them to come together. Yeah. She is someone who is investigating the past and castle is someone who lived in the past. And so therefore that naturally they're going to come together. They are. And, and yes, this is a coincidence that Wolf just happened to be following the same track, same shipment, but mm-hmm. But this is the – see, for me – and we've talked about this before, but with, with storytelling theory for me, uh, coincidence is a good way to start a story. And coincidence is a good way to throw complications at your story. I just don't like it when most of your story hinges on coincidence, especially at the end. Like use those coincidences to set up the train on the track and, you know, and to get your characters in motion and bring them into a collision course with each other. But then from there on out, let the characters decide what they're doing with this coincidence. And, and that's what gets interesting here is they, they come together at the end of this and, Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll, we'll talk about what it means for their, so their choices here. But so what's the most, egregious coincidence that you know of i don't know i i really don't i don't Mm, have any example in my head right now okay think about that there'll be a test later okay all right i will i will (laughs) there won't be a test (laughs) (laughs) so uh so they come up with a plan they're going to kind of infiltrate and get into the uh the sting operation, but they need cars. And so this is where this it's called go down to red box and just (laughs) hit the it's, it's called resupply. It could almost be called holding pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. just because this is just 
we're going step by step. And do we need to see how they get the cars? Well, yeah, maybe we should. Um, but they go and they get the cars from a chop shop. Uh, but the bad guys are there and they're torturing someone. So these are really bad guys. So we don't have to feel as bad when uh, <laughs> when Frank beats them up off camera, by the way. He beats them up off camera. Do you think that that's a budget thing that they didn't show the battle? Because it's a really artsy way of doing things. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, um, it could be a budget well, or is it a repetition thing? We don't need to see Frank doing this every say, single time. I was going to say, that, I mean, if you show Frank beating one guy up, like in the first episode with the hammer and, and just wailing on those guys, you know what he's capable of, right? Do you yeah. need to see it every single time he needs to? Cause I think my stomach would turn and I don't think I'd watch that. Well, instead we get the camera focusing in on this guy with the hood over his mm-hmm. head. Uh, so this guy is, he's scared. He's freaking out. And, and then this is where um, there's a, there's a grenade that gets thrown and he thinks it's going to explode right under him. Um, but, and, and he pees himself <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. And this is where you, you made your observation about, you know, what, what, what does Steve Rogers do with a grenade? Yeah. Jumped, well, I mean, jumped that's, on it. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things that comic books, you know, comics can do the drawn form, the written form can do is, put those two characters in the same room and have them talk. I'd love to see Chris Evans go up against John Barenthal and, and have a conversation. Cause that'd be amazing. They're both fantastic actors. They both embody their characters to such a degree that, that um, just to have them play off each other would be awesome. But yeah, you know, it's what's cool about that idea is, you know, in the comics, Punisher, I mean, Frank just really, really respects Steve. Yeah, as as another soldier and as as a um, as an example of a good soldier and and a, a good man, and so he he respects Steve. He he doesn't necessarily work with him all the time, but but when they do cross paths, there's there's definitely that respect there. Uh, mm-hmm. But you could do some interesting dramatic stuff with these two characters in and maybe in this film region where they could have an actual like um, battle of philosophies, you know, right, and, and with Punisher doing what he does the way he does it. And with, with Steve doing what he does in the way he does that. And, and they're both well-spoken in, I mean, they're both well-spoken in the, in the comics. Don't get me wrong, but in the, in the, in the film, in the televised versions or the filmed versions, um, they, they're well-spoken and they, and they inhabit those characters very well. So yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to the sting and there's some fun, I guess, you know, there's, there's some funny moments in this episode, maybe more funny moments than in the, in the previous ones. Uh, Because this is where um, micro, Micro hacks into their uh, communications and and plays uh, a song uh, over their their communications and they're all like, "What's going on? I don't know what's going on." And then this is where they hijack the truck and and then uh, he takes the car, one of the cars that he stole. Uh, he stole a Mustang and he takes off. And Dinah, 
realizes what's going on and is able to get there soon enough to be able to chase him down. <laughs> and I just this is where the episode lost me. Like this this whole car chase thing. I, I don't find car chases all that exciting unless they have things going on. Uh, and, and this didn't have much going on other than the car chase. And and so like the the car chase in um, oh every car chase in, in every born identity, you know, there's there, there's some exciting car chases going on there. Now, that's a lot of money going into that. A lot of money going into that, um, you know, Fast and the Furious. Those sometimes can be not not as much fun. But this the, I, I wouldn't call this Fast and Furious. I would call this car chase uh, slow and tedious. Uh, it just <laughs> I, I I wasn't drawn into it. I didn't really care. I knew Frank was going to get away. Um, the only thing good about the car chase was the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the end. And just, uh, first of all, Micro gets into the thing. He doesn't want to use guns. He's not excited about the violence part of things. Uh, the violence in the um, in the chop shop really bothered him. It, he did not like that at all. And, you know, we we also aren't liking this, but we're accepting it because those were bad guys who were torturing somebody, you know. But um, he he helps finish the car chase by slamming into her car with his truck. And so she's trapped in there and, and Frank goes and gets her out and and pulls her away. And you're thinking, oh, so is she going to see him or not? You know, right. And she can become an ally. Yeah. Yeah. But she she ends up seeing who he is, knowing who he is, recognizing who he is. And then he's just straight up. Yeah, I killed Wolf. (laughs) I did it. What are you going to do about it? Almost, you know, it's just uh, I I like that. I like that a lot because now we have. I mean, it took us all this whole episode to get there. We could have had this setup done, you know, in, in 15 minutes, but we get this, this whole setup where it takes us to this final moment where she knows he's alive. And not only does she know he's alive, he straight up admitted to murdering Wolf. Mm-hmm. Now, Wolf was dirty. Frank knows that. She knows that. But he did it. And she knows mm-hmm. it now. Mm-hmm. So, so why do you think he told her? I, I think he he's not about secrets. You know, he wants to keep his own life on the on the down low. He doesn't want people to know he's alive or whatever. But, um, you know, he, what he did, he did. And he is not ashamed of it. Mm hmm. You know, he, he's he's uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would say he's proud when he's saying it to her. Like, yeah, I did it. I do it again, too. You know, it's not that kind of thing, but it's close. It's close. Yeah. I mean, I think he in his mind, he's standing up for what is right. And therefore, he's going to, um, if not take credit for it, then definitely have people acknowledge him for it. Yeah. Well, and I think he's boldly you know he he will proclaim what he has done mm-hmm. um now that brings us to a whole nother issue where you know the death of the mod you know she he is uh not proud of that one 
and, and that's he wants vengeance for for what happened and the people that kind of were there and um yeah so he he's not proud of that one but wolf yeah yeah i did it i'd do it again too well and this is the problem with the punisher right which i think is the problem's not necessarily the right term i think it's it's the thing that makes the Punisher an interesting character, which the, you know, the world has a line in the sand. You do not murder people no matter how bad they are. Right. Punisher is like, no, 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 no. That line is wishy-washy at, at best. Right. And so he can find, um, he can find a reason to murder lots of people. I'm sure. But he draws a line in the sand. That's a little bit further back. The thing is, he is not looking for reasons to kill people. He is given the reasons and chooses to do that because of that. I, right. I, he, I don't think he wants to kill anyone. But he got well, pushed to that point where, no turning back, I'm doing this. Right. And the, and the scene that solidifies that the most, and I don't even – I don't think it's in this series. It was in Daredevil season two when he goes into the uh, into the pawn shop, right? And he – um, the guy's like, oh, we, we did our business yeah, and he's yeah. walking out and he's like, oh, I got the good – and like, oh, man. Yeah. He, okay. He, he, <laughs> he, starts, he starts talking about kitty porn. Right, right. And I wasn't going to mention that. But well, yeah, he starts – And so as soon yeah. as he talks about that, you know, Frank – is pretty on target with what his mission is. You know, he has mm-hmm. this vengeance for what happened to his family, but this cannot be abided. You know, he, nope. he has to, he has to stop this guy. This guy is low. He's scum. And it's not, I mean, it's not just because he's low and scum It's because what he does with his scumitude or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and so we see – Ben Avery, professional writer, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day, man. It has. It's been a long day. So, yeah. And, and this, this is what makes him an interesting character. And I think the Absolute. really – The only thing about this character that works for me is that it allows us – And we talked about this before in last episode. It allows us in a safe place, fiction, mm-hmm. to explore what would I do? What do I do with these feelings? You know, these, these feelings of, of anger because, you know, I've read an article about a guy who did something so horrible that I want to see him dead, you know, and, yeah. and this, a show like this allows you to start looking at, okay, so what are the repercussions? And micro is great in this episode because micro is that counterpoint. Micro doesn't want to use any guns. He doesn't clean his gun. Why doesn't he clean his gun? Because he's not going to use his gun. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about his gun enough to clean it so that it's going to be, you know, a really uh, efficient killing machine. Now, Frank, on the other hand, <laughs> is going to, you know, and he. Well, when Frank's cleaning his gun, it's almost a meditation for him, too. Yeah. I mean, he he does it so quick and so fast that he does it in his sleep and without even thinking about it. It's like the guy who can do the, the quarter on his fingers thing. It's almost a, a, a mindless act. I mean, might as well be, you know, spinning a fidget spinner type of type of act. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where I think, yes, it allows us to sort of explore those. What would I do in this situation? Um, uh, thoughts where I think this, a show like this is dangerous 
it is a lot because it allows us to explore those type of situations and then gives us almost gives us permission to go out and do those things. I'm not saying it does. I'm saying that some people could take it as well. Castle did it. So therefore I can do it. Um, Well, and the danger is in what you're talking about in, in making your protagonist do these things. mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and so you have someone that we are supposed to agree with, if Mm -hmm. not even admire, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we admire his, his moral code. You know, and and we admire that he believes in justice, although what kind of justice, you know, and uh, well, okay, so so go ahead. Rip from the rip from the 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 real life headlines of up here. um, We had a situation where a, a, a bad guy admitted and then followed through with choosing to do some very bad things. Um, and he, he sort of like was, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but he, he sort of singled out a, a target and, and went for that and completed his mission. Right. Um, he had never been in, in any sort of armed forces. I think he got drummed out of boot camp or something like that. But anyway, so, so he did this very bad thing and, and murdered this young lady. And the sort of sentiment around here is stream up. And let his family take care of business. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I'm certainly not going to act on that. Where I think, again, this show has a little bit of responsibility, and even the character has a little bit of responsibility, and the creators, to maybe think about that sort of thing. And and this is a whole big philosophy. I'm just, I'm just trying to offer a counterpoint. Like, the violence, to my mind, sort of muddied any sort of um, it, it's hard, it's hard to find the, it's hard to find the good, not the, I don't know what I'm saying. It's not hard to find the good in the show because it's, it's well-written and well-produced. It's hard to find the moral center of the show, I guess, is where yeah. I'm trying to get to. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, if I'm driving down the road and I get in a car accident with someone who has a Punisher sticker in the back window of their truck, I'm I'm going to be a little less excited than if I were to get in a car accident with someone who has a Superman sticker in the or back window Captain of their truck. America, let's let's keep it in house. Okay, all right, all right, fine. We'll we'll keep it MCU, but um, but but that's my point, right? So the Punisher is a um, <clears throat> and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but isn't he an anti-hero? Yeah, you would call him an anti-hero, I think. Okay, so he's an anti-hero. Because he does um, villainous things in pursuit of good. Right, so is that does that mean he's a good character? No, he's a not a very good man. And I don't think he would call himself a good man either. Yeah, well, and... <sighs> Because he's a man who is making he, he he's a man who is making choices that we have to look at and say, okay, is that morally good? And I guess you know the show not having a moral center to give you those answers isn't the worst thing in the world. But no, it it can be for people who aren't able to sort through those answers, like younger viewers. I mean, that's probably where I would go first is younger viewers could get bad ideas from this. Um, but they could also get bad ideas from um, Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, Pokemon, where, you know, hey, let's take our animals and let's put them into these tiny, tiny little spheres and throw them and then make them fight just in a pit fight until one of them is unconscious and can't go on. Well, I mean, okay, so, so, right, so we're getting into this, this uh, deteriorating thing, like, you can always find the bad things and stuff, and I don't disagree with that, um, but at the same time, I do think that this is a show that you can't necessarily just put on, <laughs> and no. you have to be conscious of who is watching it around you, like, wh- so I travel a lot for work, I never watch this show at home, I had to only watch it when I was traveling. Here's the thing. This is a show you have to grapple with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's good art, but it's not necessarily, much so. but it's not necessarily uplifting and it's not necessarily positive, but it's good art. If it makes mm-hmm. you grapple with it and, and, you know, Jessica Jones did the same thing and a lot of pop art and pop culture doesn't ask you to grapple with anything. It just asks you to sit back and enjoy the ride. And I think that the danger in that is that it, it desensitizes you to the power of art. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the danger being it desensitizes us to, to violence, you know, so that we're more prone to it maybe in real life. But, um, but that kind of thing also desensitizes you to the power of art where you just watch so much stuff that doesn't have much power to it. It's just bubblegum, you know, well, it's, so, it, it's, it's, it's the U2 song. You, you know, you're chewing bubblegum, you know what it is, but you still want some, you right. know, and, and this is not bubblegum. Well, to be honest, infinity war probably has a higher body count, right? Well, well definitely yeah. has a higher body <laughs> like count, half, right? Like half a billion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, half of everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it has to have a higher body count. That one scene alone has a higher body count. But they're um, all characters you care about. That's that's another thing. And and the, That's true. I was actually talking about the scene when he when he um rescues Gamora. That scene alone probably has a higher body count than all of Punisher. But it doesn't matter because you don't see it and you're focusing on him balancing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so violence, I mean, violence is the end result of violence is not the problem. Yes. This is much more graphic. Um, and, and, and it's harder to grapple with. And I like the idea that you have to sit there and and grapple with it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just, it's a hard thing to grapple with. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, Yeah. I like having to grapple, but I don't necessarily like what comes out of the grappling, you know, because you have to confront things. And mm-hmm. and this is definitely a show that makes you confront things. And even in this one where you have that supposed to be a pulse pounding uh, car chase, you know, but it ends with Micro slamming his truck into her car, almost killing her. I mean, she would die if Frank didn't rescue her. Um, and he's now grappling with that. What have I done? You know, what have you made me do? You pulled me in. So that it, it just makes for a good show. Makes yes. for a good show, but doesn't necessarily make for a rewatchable show <laughs> for everyone. Yes. Not, I mean, for some it might be, but for, for not for everyone. Yeah. Um. So there's one element of the show we haven't talked about yet, and that is uh, Lewis. Uh, Lewis has built a foxhole in his parents' backyard. Um, Lewis also wants to join Anvil, uh, which is um, 
the uh, the greasy hair guy or the the well groomed hair guy, whatever his name is, Billy, Billy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy has Anvil, and Lewis wants purpose, and he he wants to join Anvil. Uh, but Curtis, who has visited Lewis's place, talked to him in the foxhole. Um, goes to his friend and says, please reject him. Don't bring him in. And so Lewis is not accepted into uh, this, this organization of paramilitary uh, people. I don't know where that's going. <laughs> well, Lewis is actually the character. <laughs> Frank Castle is going to do what Frank Castle is going to do, and he's a, he's the sort of the pulse, the, the force to be reckoned with in this show. Micro's on his side and sort of tagging along. Lewis is, I mean, he's a he's a segment of the population, for lack of a better term. Lewis is us, and we are Lewis because we're not Frank Castle, you know. I mean, we're not necessarily Lewis either, but we're we're these. Lewis is sort of stuck in the middle of everything. And so when I was talking about like the, the, the dangers of this show, I, you know, Lewis is the, the, the prime example of, of the type of person who could be manipulated and, 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 you know, seriously sort of like hurt by this show. And I'm, and I'm not a doctor or whatever, but I'm saying that, um, if I were someone who who had any sort of connection with Lewis, this is not the thing I'm going to get them for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It, well, it's yeah. The thing about Lewis is he he's looking for direction. Mm-hmm. He's directionless. He has done things he didn't want to do. He has been trained to do only those things. He doesn't have any way to apply his skills. And he doesn't he, – he just has no direction. He doesn't have anyone helping him get to ne- go where he wants to go, and he doesn't have anyone telling him where to go. And he's just looking for, yeah, direction. And joining something like Anvil would have got uh, – maybe it wouldn't have been the best thing for him, but it would have given him what he's looking for, and that is purpose and direction, which is what we're all looking for. Now, the difference is – Lewis is not like you and me necessarily because he has uh, post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and he has these experiences that he can't put out of his head. And yeah, so that's I, – I, I'm curious where this is going. I'm wondering if Lewis is one way or another going to end up being a, a force uh, against Frank um, and, and – you you've seen further than I have, so you might know that. Uh, but so you can't say anything, obviously, because of our spoiler policy. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm I'm curious where where this whole thing is going with Lewis. So that's 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 that with uh, Lewis. I'd be curious to to think to hear what you think might happen because I honestly could can't remember very well. Um. But I do, you know, I kind of know. I'm not going to say anything. But what do you, th- where do you think he's going to be? I could see this either going into a place where Billy goes behind Curtis's back and brings Lewis in 
to like a, a secret side of Andil, or Lewis gets pulled into something even, you know, something worse, something bad, something really bad. Um, and maybe get superpowers or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, uh, what's his face from, uh, from Jessica Jones where, you know, it's not quite the super soldier serum, but he's got powers. So that's, that's what I'm wondering as I'm looking forward, uh, and, and wondering, okay, what's going to happen with this guy? Cause we've spent time with him now. He's not just a random guy in the circle. Mm-hmm. We, we have gone to his house. You know, we have seen him deal with things by almost shooting his father and building that foxhole. So clearly and I think- this is Chekhov's. Lewis, I don't <laughs> right. Check off. You, you put I, him in, put him on the wall in the first or second episode. You got to have him do something by the 13th. Uh, he's also the one gaining sympathy. Yeah. Who else in the series is gaining sympathy, gaining well, the viewer sympathy? Micro. I maybe, think. maybe micro, maybe definitely, Dinah. definitely micro's family. Dinah. Yeah. I think there's, there's room for sympathy for her. But I think, you know, you, you're you really reaching out towards him because he's a vet. He's um, – have we gotten into any of his background yet? Not really. Um, but we we, we, with we, Lu- we can surmise that he's down on his luck. If he was – you know, he's younger. So if he was able, he would still be in the military. So for some reason he's not. I mean he's a guy that, that – Right now in American society, we're supposed to have sympathy for, and I'm not saying we shouldn't ever, but I'm just saying that like right now the focus is young vets who are, who are down on their luck having problems. So, yeah. Who have seen things that they can't unsee, done things that they can't undo and, but then get left behind. Yes. Without giving them the tools to sort through those things, which is, I mean, honestly, that that's what the group is for. That's what Curtis is for. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lewis is also kind of rejecting that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's also uh, it, working against him. Lewis is a complicated character. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. Well, that's that's this episode. That is uh, resupply. I do want to thank everyone for listening and thank you for joining us, spending time with us. Uh, next episode is going to be Captain Marvel. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. I hope because of the return of Coulson and we will, we will see. Did we like this movie or not? Or did it deserve to be review bombed before people even saw it? Nothing reserves deserves to be review bombed before people see it. Zero things. I'm very frustrated with that whole thing. Even the new Grinch movie doesn't deserve to be review bombed before people see it. Well, I haven't seen that yet. Neither have I. I'm just saying that there's only one Grinch movie and and we probably should stop trying to remake it. But I don't know that for sure because I haven't seen this new one. Point being, I'm very frustrated with this whole Captain Marvel thing. And I looked into why people are angry with Brie Larson, Ugh. and it's like, why? So, are you, yeah. So you read the comments on the internet? I went there. Have and you I, not seen Wreck-It Ralph 2? 
I went there. I didn't want to go there. It was a friend of mine who posted it and I didn't click on the review, but then I did click on the comments of my friend's friends. And that was very stupid of me because it just got me angry and never read the comments. It it did make me seek out like, what did she do to make people angry? And all that she did is say that she wanted to have things be more inclusive and wanted more reviewers who weren't 44 year old white men like me. And (laughs) I mean, that. I can't. Is that, is that really all she did? She said she why not have some some young. I mean, maybe there's something else out there. Um, I did find a really interesting story that the uh, article that they did for Mary Magazine. I think it might be Mary Claire. I don't know, but um, they did this big long feature article about her. And when she agreed to do the feature article, she asked for a specific journalist. And the reason she asked for the specific journalist was because this was a woman who has cerebral palsy. And Brie Larson said, I've never seen anyone do something on this scale, a journalist do something on the scale who had a disability. And so I wanted to use my own power to help empower someone else. And I'm just like, wow, what a terrible person. What a horrible human being to, uh, to do something like that and to suggest that it's not just, you know, old white men like me who get to do reviews, you know, but she wants to hear from other people. And it, it's just. Dear I, listener, the reviews of the, the, the concerns of Ben do not reflect the concerns of the show. <laughs> That's actually, wait, no, that didn't work. Um, yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> ben, ben is not saying that he, that that lady shouldn't have done it. <laughs> no, ben I'm saying with Brie Larson. I'm saying that that's all that she said, and this is yeah. Like people yeah. are getting angry about that. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Not, not true. It makes sense to me because I know people, right? <laughs> and and so I mean, maybe there's something else that she said that was worse or bad, or maybe something that deserved people to get angry or whatever. But. Um, but they're out there well, actively they, saying we want this movie to fail because of, from what I can tell, what I just said. Like that's that's what they're. I don't. Ah, uh, you got me started, Stuart. Got me started. I don't even know how I did that. That's my superpower. Well, I think I got <laughs> me started. Maybe I'm gonna blame you anyway, though. I put the soap. I put the apple box right in front of you. Yeah, this is a soapbox. Go ahead. No, and yeah, and, and so I am. You know probably saying that we probably do have some listeners right now who disagree. And, and I would like to actually hear from you. Uh, yes, absolutely. If, if you have more things, you know, or, or if you have a better context, uh, I'd actually wouldn't mind hearing from everyone, you know, about, about this, but um, my thing, and this is just where I come down. I want, I'm, this is Tigger Ben. Okay. This is Tigger <gasps> Ben. Who's tired of Eeyore Ben. Because of social media, I just want people to stop and try to understand each other and and to stop and say, OK, so why might she say something like this? Why is she saying these things? Is there any validity to what she's saying? What? Where is she coming from that she would say these things? You know, 
ask yourself, if you don't agree with someone, ask yourself those questions. Why don't I agree with this person is the first question you might ask, but then why don't they agree with me is the second question to ask and try to understand both where you're coming from because self-understanding is a very, very, very important thing. But Understanding other people is another very, very important thing because then when you start understanding where you come from, you can also start allowing yourself to understand where other people come from. And it doesn't mean accepting everything they say. It just means understanding. And that helps you to maybe not accept what people say, but it helps you to accept people. And that's where I kind of like that's the ultimate goal is and this comes from my Judeo-Christian background, you know, you know, where it's we're supposed to love everyone, love your neighbor as yourself, and that sort of thing. Um, but that's not just me. It's not just you know the Christian church. I mean, it's a the the golden rule. Um, I I believe that that um, that's been a part of Taoism for from you know centuries, and other religions take that golden rule as well. Um, but where you're not going to be able to do the golden rule until you start trying to understand people and start trying to know where they're coming from so that you can, can at least uh, find your common ground or understand where there isn't common ground. <laughs> and I, I, I got to get off my soapbox because we need to shut this episode down. So sorry about that. Thank you for listening. <laughs> That's fine. I had the very rare, uh, privilege to put my headphones down just like daniel used to do oh good so good <laughs> it's so no but i honestly i agree with everything you just said so but that's probably because my judeo-christian background yeah well and it's 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 not just that but that's that's clearly when i when i think about these things i'm that's the uh the filter that, that a lot of that is going through. But Seriously I, though, if you rage through your iPod across the room because of what Ben said, call in. I really want to talk to you. I don't, I, I, in fact, I will just listen to you. Well, it, that's just it. We want to understand. You know, and um, Yeah. Yeah. I, and I could tell stories about times when conflicts that I've been involved in were just solved by me stopping myself from opening my big fat yap and just <laughs> listening to what the other person had to say. And it didn't get resolved by us agreeing. It got resolved by us understanding. And ah, I got to stop. I'm, I'm okay. Oh, so yeah, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to say, thank you for listening. All right. <laughs> Stuart is going to say his final word. Thank you for listening. Okay. <laughs> and listen to the credits, find out how you can contact us, but you know, send us the voicemails or the emails and, and hate mail. If you want, you can send that too. We're not going to necessarily respond to it unless it's really, really cleverly written hate mail. If it's hate mail and it's clever, we'll, we'll use it. Okay. Um, I'm, that's actually a half lie. If it's really clever though. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I'm just going to then say, um, I don't even have a really good lead in for this. <laughs> uh, the quote I was going to use was always by American. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level seven. 
You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Hey. hey, Ben. Hey, Stuart. What? <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Actually, I have. Want to talk about what's... <laughs> and punchline achieved. <laughs> You've seen it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we can't talk about it until we have Samantha around. She wants to talk about it with us when, you, when you've seen it. So. Well, fine. <laughs> Maybe next episode, if we're able to all three get together for Captain Marvel. Huh? Yeah, if they see Captain Marvel now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll figure out a time. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It'll work. Later, man. Later. So actually, typically when we record, I'm drinking tea, but today it's just ice water. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the news then, Samantha here. Uh, it's official. Punisher and Jessica Jones have been canceled by Netflix. And I just want to say that's not something to worry about and not something to be sad about. And I have two reasons to not be sad about Punisher and Jessica Jones being canceled. Do you want to hear what they are? Oh, I'm tiggering over here. <laughs> but don't tigger too much, but don't Eeyore either. That's that's what I'm saying. Okay. And, and that's just simply that all the stuff that's already on Netflix right now from the Marvel corner, like all of this Netflix Defender stuff is not going anywhere. It's there and it's going to be there and it's going to be there for people to discover and it's going to be there for people to rediscover and it's going to be there for people to 
you know, watch and analyze or do whatever they want to with it. It's not going anywhere. So that's, that's point one. Why let's not be sad about this. We've got a bunch of seasons of really good television on Netflix out of this deal. And it was really good stuff. Even iron fist is on there, which a lot of people say isn't really good, but it's there and it's fun, you know? And, and so there's, there's point one. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that, uh, Samantha, but that's my point one. Um, also there was a letter to the fans. Ooh, yes. We'll get to that in a moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yes, um, it's like, I don't know how many seasons they did mention how many seasons there were. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's good television. Yeah. So point two is that that letter you're talking about. And and that is these characters aren't going away completely. If there is demand for it, there will be a way that they'll find another place to show up. And it might be Disney plus and it might be Hulu or it might be whatever. Um, I, Cause I could see iron fist showing up on Disney plus. Um, I couldn't see Punisher there necessarily from what I understand. We don't know yet exactly, but Disney plus feels like it's going to be a PG 13. Um, at the highest kind of thing, but, um, we'll see more. We'll, we will, and it may not be on Netflix, but they're, they're going to give us more. And the other thing is, um, even if these shows go away from Netflix, they're going to show up somewhere else. So like if Netflix really decides I want to spite Disney, um, it'll show up somewhere else because, you know, there's, there's rights issues and there's, um, you know, rights of refusals. And and when one company says, I don't want this, the other company has the opportunity to, to buy it out and stuff. And this stuff is not going anywhere. We will see Punisher again. We will see Jessica Jones again. Um, And if we don't, it's okay because we got some really good television out of them. And I say that not having watched Jessica Jones final season, Daredevil's final season, Punisher's final season, um, so I don't know how it ends, if it ends on a cliffhanger like Agent Carter did, or if it's going to end, you know, if it ends poorly or or what. But we got some good stuff. And that's my, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. We're, we're good. We're good. We got stuff coming. MCU is not going anywhere. And neither is Netflix. I feel the same way. Um, and I'm kind of tiggering that we will see Vincent D'Onofrio in one of the Spider-Man movies. As um, Wilson Fisk. <laughs> um, and just to I clarify. Talking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, OK. His, yeah. His name escaped my my mind for a moment. Um, um, and. I was looking up some information and um, seriously, I would love to see him on screen with Tom Holland because Tom Holland is all of five foot eight and Vincent D'Onofrio is um, a lot taller than that. Four, six. Is that what I told you guys earlier today? Four, six. I'm sorry. Not four. (laughs) Five, six. I'm closer. Yeah. Yeah. Six, four. I'm sorry. I got my numbers backwards. So Wilson, um, uh, so Vincent D'Onofrio is six, four and Tom Holland is five, six, I think. Is that right? It's five, eight. Five, eight. So there's an okay. eight inch difference. Plus, um, Vincent D'Onofrio probably weighs about three to four times as much as Tom Holland does. 
Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, I'd like to see them on screen together and I'd like to use that, that weight and height difference and show how scary Wilson Fisk is compared to uh, the amazing Spider-Man, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, He's a big guy. Big and, guy. you know, give him give him some big shoes. And uh, I think, look, you're not wrong. It would be really fun. It would, it would. be. I'm not tagging over that, though. Um, I, I, I just... It, yeah. I, but I'm also not going to Eeyore you. I'm not going to say anything to Eeyore you. I'm just not going to take her. How's that? Well, yeah, it's just, this is just me hoping. Um, but I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities because if you recall, um, the Netflix characters were on the table to be in infinity war. So there's a possibility that, that any of those characters can eventually show up in the movies. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's the news. And oh, we have not made a Star Trek reference. So Star Trek reference. Hey, you know, the Star Trek reference is this. I, okay. We didn't talk about this. Uh, the new Captain Pike is Anson Mount. And who's oh. Anson Mount? Black Bolt from Inhumans. Yes. And he's fantastic. And I actually went back and rewatched the cage, the pilot episode of Star Trek that has Captain Pike as the captain of the Enterprise. Anson Mount is doing a really good, not impression necessarily, but he feels like he's the same guy. He feels like he's the same character as this character from the cage. And he's great when he can talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now he was, I I liked him in Inhumans as well. um, But, but in discovery, he's, he's fantastic. I'm really enjoying watching him in that show. Okay, so he's doing a Captain Pike in the same flavor of the original Captain Pike as, say, Chris Pine did. Not a caricature, but a, like a sort of like an original take on in no, the same flavor. No, it's more that the way Anson Mount does things is very similar to the way Jeffrey Hunter does things. I, I don't feel like it's – yeah, because um, – It's not an exact copy. It, it's not an exact copy. But it's also not quite – it doesn't need to be an exact copy because they're similar guys anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's – whereas Chris Pine, he's he's doing a character. He's not doing a caricature, but he is doing a character. Um, but I don't see Chris Pine doing Chris Pine when he's, when he's being Captain Kirk. Yeah. Uh, I do see that Anson Mount just seems to be kind of doing Anson Mount. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I like – Christopher Pike in this situation as this character and he's he he's fun he's he, he's making discovery more fun for me um more so than Tilly has been she's been a little bit getting on my nerves lately okay but well, that's I'm probably the grumpy day. old man looking at millennials and saying <laughs> off my lawn oh well, hey another know- grumpy old man nice Grumpy old men on the screen. That's me. Yay. <laughs> well, you guys do know that I do like the cage episode over what they eventually aired as the pilot on television on CBS back in 1966. Six. Six. Yeah. 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 I think it's definitely a better, 
uh, pilot. It's one of the better episodes, honestly. But what's interesting is that then it gets cut into the menagerie and becomes two of the better episodes as well. <laughs> and that's just a fantastic – That's that excites me as a writer to have had the you – know, to be able to – they had the opportunity to sit down, take this thing they already made, cut it up, keep the spirit of that thing they already made, but turn it into something else – and something that really, because of the casting, that it's not William Shatner as the captain, it deepens the mythology then. And so even as a kid, that was just so cool and fascinating to me to see, oh, that's the captain who was captain before Captain Kirk. And that's really cool. And, and then you start hearing the story behind how the episode got made. And it's just, oh, wow, this is so cool. So... Yeah. You, brought up, you brought up Star Trek. Saying, Good job. <laughs> yeah, and CBS is saying, hey, we didn't waste money on this pilot that did not originally air. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Good all around. All right. Well, thanks, Samantha. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.